Blog Talk Radio. This is Patty Holstrand, and this is KWOD Radio, and we're on live today, and we're happy to be with an ophthalmologist. We're going to be talking about our health and about our eyes, but at the moment, I'm going to talk a little bit about our sponsors. This, is, this program is sponsored by Imperial Post Games, and that's just 4920 West Thunderbird Road, Glendale, Arizona. They're the home of all the great games, and they got plenty of space for you guys to play in. Also, VIP Airsoft Arena. They're going to be doing a lock, uh, another one I should lock in. They also have uh, discount tickets air to Renaissance Festival there. And uh, VIP Airsoft is located on the corner of Valvis and Baseline. They have all your, well, what should I say, your Airsoft needs. And they have terrific uh, opportunities to in your pro shop with their products. And also you can customize a game or a lock-in for you and your group. That's VAP Airsoft on Gilbert Road, or in Gilbert on Val Vista and Baseline. So without further ado, I'm going to talk a little bit about the doctor here. Uh, Dr. Frank Weinshock. He has the five key questions you should be asking yourself about your health care. And we're definitely interested in that, specifically this year with all the uh, things going on with the health care. If you could, wouldn't you want to be empowered with the knowledge to circumnavigate America's increasingly complex health care environment? Board-certified ophthalmologist, health care advocate, and medical journalist, Dr. Frank J. Weinstock, knows all too well Many Americans are spending way too much time and money worrying about their health care. So let's see if we can bring in the Hey, doctor. Yes. Are you there? How are you, <laughs> I am here. 
Yeah, there's just there's just so many things going on with healthcare this year, uh, specifically, and all of our eyes and and it, you know pun pun intended there, all of our eyes are looking at uh, at healthcare now, and how do we, you know, how do we take better care of ourselves? Well, I think that's a big question, and I'm primarily concerned with the healthcare as opposed to. Uh, discussing the politics of this. But I got involved in the idea for this book. There's so many people I meet uh, on a daily basis that have been to a physician or have had an operation, and they have questions. And the questions that they should be asking their doctors are really that their doctors should explain to them. So I've been thinking a lot about it and came up with the idea of this book which deals with how do you approach the medical system, how do you deal with various aspects, and then the other half deals with eyes and the various a number of the various diseases that we can have. <laughs> yeah. That is that is true, and we're we're so happy to have you. This is it's your first book that you put together, or is it not? No, this is about the tenth. The first one for the well, you're just getting the around. Other books have been, <laughs> the other books have been. Uh, medical topics, and uh, ah. primarily ophthalmology, although we had one for how to cope with medical school or getting into medical school. Uh, uh, did that okay. a few years ago, but this is the first one for the lay public. Okay. And uh, how long have you been an ophthalmologist? Well, I've been an ophthalmologist for many years, and actually I retired about two years ago. I've been involved with the private practice of ophthalmology, which I started all by myself way back. And then I gradually added on associates and ended up with three, op- four ophthalmologists and a staff of about 30. And when you go to physicians, you know, we all, we all sound the same because we have an MD after our name. And one of the real concerns with a patient is, who do I go to? How do I find out if he's good or bad? Mm-hmm. And there, there are some ways to find out. If you're totally new in a community, you hopefully have gotten a referral to a physician from someone in your previous community. But you meet people, you have friends. If you're lucky, you know some nurses. And you ask them, oh, there's a good reputation around. If you've been in a community, that's your physician who is good for a a problem. But normally you have a primary care physician, internist, or family practitioner who you go to for care, and hopefully you've done your homework and have confidence in this physician. If you don't know someone, you can find out something about them, which we never could in the past. Because you just mm-hmm. go to the Internet and you can pull up a physician's name and find out, number one, what his, train, his or her training is. And then on many of them, they have a link to health grades. And that is really interesting and sometimes alarming when you uh, find out that a physician, as I found out recently, in reference to a physician that uh, someone was going to, looked further down on his own site. 
had been sanctioned by the state three times. Once she was uh, required to do community service, and he was fine. So, you know, right away uh, you have to think two, three, four times before you go to that position. But in general, you can have fairly good confidence in your primary physician to steer you in the direction. And hopefully you find a physician who not only is capable, but can communicate with you and let you know what's going on. Unfortunately, I have a feeling that many physicians really don't like to talk to patients. So when I go into a physician, I, I have my questions written out ahead of time. Sometimes they don't want to answer them, but uh, that's, that's my role as a physician, to answer your concerns. And you have to take it on yourself to ask the right questions. Right. Let the physician know what's bothering you uh, physically. Let the physician know what your concerns are, and you should get a a uh, a an answer as to what the physician is diagnosing you with and what the treatment is. And you should write it down because we're all nervous when we have a medical exam and the physician mm-hmm. tells us certain things and puts you on medications. Should it write them down right there? A an excellent thing when you go to a physician is to have an advocate husband, wife, child, friend, someone who's a little more objective. And I, I've had patients come in to me actually with a tape recorder. A lot of physicians might be threatened by that, but with a tape recorder and then you can go over what I said. But mm-hmm. again, under the pressure of the exam, you're nervous and you forget things, you don't well. quite understand it. Sometimes when you're sick, you're you're really not in your right mind, you know. That's right, and that's why you, know, you might have a hundred temperature or whatever, and you're not you're not thinking. So you uh, jump in there, and and, and you just you're not asking the questions right, um, or forgetting things because you're just don't feel good. So it's always good. To, yeah, well, somebody. I had some surgery a few months ago, and we were just talking about it at dinner. I. Uh, I personally can remember almost nothing of the three days following the operation. My wife mm-hmm. and grandson were telling me that I was speaking very coherently, discussing things with them. I have no idea what happened. But <laughs> my wife was there, and she could yeah. answer the questions, write down the answers, the directions, et cetera. Hmm. Well, that's and and I have to agree with you because uh, yeah, I was at the hospital in January, 105 temperature, and I don't remember hardly anything for <laughs> for a certain amount of time there. Uh, and you know, all I was thinking about was how uh, you know, how to you know how to stay awake and and how to be able to breathe. <laughs> and, the patient, and the doctor comes in and tells you, Patty, you have this, that, and the next thing. And when you, know, yeah. when you go home, you take the blue pills in the morning, the red pills at night. You don't even remember he was in there. So, <laughs> and unfortunately, doctors don't often write things down. In our office, we try to write your prescription down for you. Of course, you're alert when you come to the office. But still, write the drop, how often you should take the drops. Uh, you take one drop, one pill, two pills, 
write it down. So the more that I write down, the less you get concerned and have to call and sit around and wait for uh, me to call back three, four, or five hours later. Exactly. And, you know, sometimes they, they do follow-ups now, which is good. Uh, but, you know, that's still pretty rare. And, uh, and so if, you know, whether you're going in the hospital, whether you're going to the physician, um, insurance companies, that's a whole different ballgame. Uh, well, basically, <laughs> just navigating through the system. Uh, people want to pick out the physician in the hospital first, but with insurance, find out from your insurance, what does that allow? You're often, uh, re- uh, you actually can only go to certain physicians on many plans. And if you travel, sometimes mm-hmm. you go to another state and it may be hard finding a physician that takes your insurance or a hospital that takes your insurance or else you want to go to a specialist and find out he doesn't take insurance. So you have to, you should start out with that and get some idea of the policies. And they're very hard to read, but still should get some idea. And that's why the physician's office, when you call, he asks you what the what your insurance is, not because they're afraid of getting not getting paid, but you know if you come into a physician or a hospital that doesn't that your insurance won't pay for. You have to pay for the whole thing yourself. That can be thousands yeah. and thousands of dollars. So yes, uh, start sure. with insurance companies. Ask your friends again, and physician. Where where do I go? Which hospital? And you don't go to buildings. You go to individuals. There are obviously many large clinics that have great reputations. Still, if you want to go to that clinic, that medical center, try to get a physician to whom you refer rather than just go on your own. You don't know who you'll see then. That's an interesting idea. I, I did see that your note on a patient advocate. Um, and you think that the patient advocate is somebody to, should be going with you if you don't have nobody else with you? Well, I think that's a good idea. I, in my office, I always, uh, when the patient was called back, they're always asked to bring whoever is with them who may have driven them to have a spouse. And they were asked to come back because they can understand what's going on because they don't have the emotions that you have as a patient. So mm-hmm. whether it's a grandchild, daughter, son, and anyone that would come with them. And there are people who will serve as patient advocates uh, in different areas, you might have to ask a hospital or someone. But, you know, most people have someone they can come. And if you're all alone, you have to be your own advocate. And that's, again, when you write things down. Okay. Well, let, let's talk about eyes because you're not your specialty. Um, I have a, a, a brother-in-law who uh, wound up going blind in one, in one eye and had to get surgery. And you know, he was seeing sparks before that happened. Is there any way that that, that we could be doing something uh, that we could be helping our eyes condition uh, when we're young? You know, when you're younger, like middle age, to avoid well, you some really of the problems can't. later. Well, 
well, the main thing that you can do to avoid problems is to be checked on a regular basis. Uh, babies should be checked in the first oh, one to two years of life, depending whether or not they have a problem. If they have a problem that's usually picked up by the pediatrician or primary care physician or sometimes in the nursery at the hospital. But people without problems should be checked early in life because you may not realize that you only see out of one eye. If you close one eye, everything looks good. And if you don't see out of one eye, you don't even notice it. I've had right. people 30, 40 years old <laughs> come in, they never saw out of their left eye. They, they just never closed the right eye to see how bad it They thought it, it was is. normal. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. having vision in both eyes, not only is the other eye a spare eye in case of an injury or a disease, but it gives you what we call binocular vision, sharper vision. Mm. Yeah, I, I work and, on a computer all the time, and, and I didn't, uh, I mean, I was my eyes were starting to go uh, fuzzy. Uh, until I and I was fighting it until my arm wasn't long enough to be able to read <laughs> at a distance. It's a normal progression as we get older. If we're not, we're called nearsighted. We get older and we're, we see things in the distance, but then it gets difficult to read, and that's, as I say, perfectly normal. So, what do you do when you get that point? If you've been yeah, checked classes. along the way. <laughs> Have an idea when it's coming. Get glasses. There are different kinds of glasses. There are glasses with no line, which not only are cosmetically good, but functionally, they're called progressive lenses. I can sit here. I can see the computer. I can hold something in my hand to read and see things three, four feet away. <clears throat> and they they're wonderful. They're also good for cards. And I recommend so-called progressive, no-line bifocals all the time because that uh, it stores you almost to what you had when you were a child before you even wore glasses. So there's many different types of glasses or contact lenses, particularly if you have a strong prescription contact lenses. They're wonderful. And we have bifocal contact lenses as we get older, and they can work very well. They come in hard lenses, soft lenses. But the individual practitioner, the ophthalmologist, or optometrist has the information to impart to you so you can make the correct decision as to glasses or contact lenses. And now we also have what we call refractive surgery where by we operate usually with a laser on the front clear surface of the eye to change the compensate for the length of the eye and make you see without glasses until you get to the point where you need bifocals, have trouble reading. But that's been an amazing uh, advance, particularly in yeah, the services where fighter pilots can get along without glasses instead of having them fall off as they do all kinds of acrobatics or in space stations, they can just come off your eyes uh, and float in the air. You don't want that to happen. So you so you are an advocate for being able to get your eyes fixed um, as long as you check your your facility that you're doing that with. Yeah, refractive surgery is wonderful, and there are indications like anything else. If you uh, are really nearsighted, have a lot of what we call 
astigmatism, which is irregularity of the eye, then you uh, uh, really appreciate it. But uh, that that has to be discussed with the ophthalmologist. Is doing the refractive surgery, and you have to make an informed decision. Make sure you understand what we're saying when we explain something to you. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be talking into surgery in general. Right. Uh, what are some, so if, if you know, getting older where our eyes are going to naturally, you know, have problems, what are signs of serious eye conditions that we should be more aware of? Well, there are, there are a lot of them, and there are a number of them in the book I've been thinking, which is my book, which is also available through Amazon.com. <laughs> but the, the warnings of problems, obviously, are blurred vision sudden change of vision. All of a sudden you see a lot of spots, flashes, floaters. Those are things that come on very quickly. And then there are the other diseases such as glaucoma, which may come on very gradually. It may not cause any problem for you until it snuffs out most of your vision. As you adapt to it, you don't even notice it often. You may not realize that you're uh, losing your vision. That's why periodic exams over the age of 40, roughly every two years. And we'll pick up a lot of these diseases in the situation and the place where we can treat them and try to prevent them from getting worse. On the other hand, just not everyone develops cataracts. Cataract is a cloudiness of the lens behind the color portion, the iris of our eyes. And as time goes on, that lens gets harder and changes color to brown and will start reducing your vision. Just because you have a cataract, you don't need an operation. We don't operate on people because they have cataracts. We operate on people who have cataracts that are interfering with their vision and their functioning. We can remove lenses that are not even cloudy, that are perfectly clear, which we don't, which normally should not be done. So we wait and follow people with cataracts until they get to the point where they interfere with vision and possibly their functioning. The interference may be as the seeing or one of the big changes that you notice from cataracts is mm-hmm. a marked sensation of glare when you're driving into headlights. Oh. Everything sort of just... Uh, dazzles you and you have trouble seeing. Hmm. Well, that, yeah, I, I have noticed that there's a whole lot more going on with, with you know, the eyes. Um, I have heard it say that the doctor, you know, if they look into, you know, uh, deep into your eye, they can tell some other things that are going on in your body. There's no question about it. And when I started in ophthalmology a number of years ago, we were the only ones that could see in the body. Then we developed all kinds of scopes, looking stomachs, up different parts of the digestive system, and can, now they can look in vessels. But we could, we've always been able to look in the eye with that light that we look at you through your pupil, and we can pick up people with diabetes, heart problems. We can pick up people with brain tumors pick up people with lung cancers, breast cancers. So there are loads of things we can pick up. 
we can pick up all kinds of major problems, uh, blood dysphagia, anemia, they go on and on. And these can often be picked up before you as a patient will notice them. And that's our goal in ophthalmology. I think more than many fields, we have the opportunity to prevent many serious problems and keep people from going blind. And many uh, situations, we keep people from dying by picking up mm. some neurological problems or tumors in a stage where they still can be treated. So, in other words, it would be it's it's a really good idea to get uh, get a an eye exam, uh, not just because your eyes are having a problem, but because it helps you over overall health care. No question about it. And we'll pick up things that you don't notice. That's uh, the really important thing when I can make a diagnosis of someone who has a diabetes or high blood pressure and never knew it. It may have some mild changes, but maybe saving their lives, which is not at all unusual. Huh. And then we have to follow you afterwards for your whatever disease we pick up. We follow you with the internist and treat you, and we're a partner in the treatment because we'll pick up problems as they progress. Hmm. Is there any medications that uh, that actually would hurt or hinder your treatment for your eyes uh, that that we should be aware of? Well, there are medica- uh, medications that will create eye problems. One of the main things is cortisone, which is such a widely used medication. We'll use it for, or not, uh, the primary care physician specialist. We use them for lung diseases, arthritis, and many other conditions. You use cortisone, you have to follow the eyes on a regular basis to look to see if there are any problems such as cataracts, increased pressure, which is glaucoma, and just uh, many, many medications will affect the eyes. And when we go to a physician who prescribes medication for us, he or she doesn't necessarily tell us everything that's on that three, four pages of instructions written in print that we can hardly read, but we should glance at those things so they have something. And, and a physician can tell you about those four pages in five minutes in the office. So we have to take an interest in our own health and look at uh, the drug insert sheets that we get so we have an idea of a problem, all kinds of allergies you can get from medications. But we should read about it and then call the office if we think we have a potential problem. So what is your take-home message? Take-home message is to take an interest in your own health, do what is necessary to try to diagnose diseases before they create too many problems, get regular care from a physician, and then follow the instructions. Roughly 25% of people who go to physicians and get prescriptions don't use them or don't even get them filled. The question that I've never had an answer from someone, yeah. a good answer, 
well, why do you go to a physician if you're not going to use the medication? But uh, <laughs> it's very common. Yeah. So that's uh, where do we in find? Addition, where do you? Okay, I'm sorry. In addition, obviously, I feel my book. I've been thinking available <laughs> on Amazon.com will point a lot of people in the right direction. Where else can we find you? Where else? Uh, there's a Facebook page, uh, Dr. Frank Weinstock, which has information. I put articles on there periodically, other information, and that's available too. Those are the two main sources, Facebook page <laughs> and the Dr. Frank Weinstock and the book I've been thinking. And Dave, we're just way, way too uh, accessible nowadays, aren't we? <laughs> well, I think we're... We are accessible, but I, I like to look at the positive side. It gets very confusing accessing all these different sites, but if we're careful, we can prevent a lot of problems. There you go. So much for uh, thanks so much for coming on with us. I know that you've got another interview to go to right after this one, so I had promised I would keep you know, only keep you as long as I had to, and we uh, okay. are so happy to have you. Okay, and, uh, thank you for your interest. If I do anything more in the future, give me a call. Well, thank you. We're from Arizona, so, uh, you know, uh, dry eye is an issue here. So. <laughs> oh, yes. Lots of medications for dry eyes. And some of them even work. Ah, some of them even work. That's, that's the trick is finding the right ones. And uh, so we wish you a, a pleasant evening and uh, hope to, all the best for your book. Okay, thank you. Best to all of you also. Thank you. Okay, good night then. Good night. The book is called I've Been Thinking and It Might Save Your Life and Vision by Frank J. Weinstock, MD. You can get that at trimarkpress.com. I had included the link uh, on the chat area and didn't see any of you peeps actually come on and ask questions, so I guess I had to do all the questioning. Uh, but we only had a, a little time with a, with a good doctor as he had another uh, another uh, interview to do. He's just a busy guy. And, um, you know, we've got the great book here uh, to be able to tell you all these things and inform you, uh, keep you informed. And, of course, as he, as he advocates that uh, being informed, uh, being your own advocate, being you know, being your own interest to uh, your health is actually the first line of defense. It's not, it's not really your doctor, it's you. So you have to take control of yourself and, and have to help yourself first. And, uh, you know, and I know a lot of mothers out there who don't like to take care of yourselves uh, think that, you know, that all the time is for the children and, and for the careers and everything else, and then they're lost in line. Um, I myself have been in that position, and, uh, you know, we're not really there for anybody else if we're not taking care of ourselves. So, and our eyes are definitely so important because we use them all of our life. Um, if we, you know, if our pinky fell, falls off tomorrow, will we miss it? Yeah, probably a little bit but we'll adapt. And uh, otherwise, it'll go to... Uh, hang, hang on a second. I'm going to put you on home.
<laughs> think about apartment buildings is our people who suddenly knock on your door and they are not even there for you. So, <laughs> um, yeah, they're trying to find the neighbor next door. So, uh, yeah, I'm like that, you know, secretary because I'm in the first building here and first they think they go the first first one and find out where their padre is or or where their uh, you know their buddy is. So it's like uh, no, it's uh, you got the wrong place, you got the wrong apartment. So um, sorry about that. I just wanted to mention what thing going on this weekend. We got a lot of stuff, obviously, for those who love steampunk. A Wild Wild West steampunk convention it starts on on Friday night and goes until Sunday, so 7th through the 9th. I will be down there on Saturday doing KWAD radio interviews. Um, we will also be at uh, the Trebuchet, but it's actually going to be with the Boy Scouts over the weekend at their jamboree. So the Trebuchet and, and I are parting company for Tuesday. <laughs> And we'll be uh, hitting a couple places, uh, so to speak. Uh, Trebuchet actually hit more places than I do uh, because it's, it shoots things. So, <laughs> um, and I don't shoot anything unless, of course, it's some particular people who get in my way. But uh, Trebuchet will be here in town at Jamboree, and I will be in Tucson for the radio interviews at the Wild West Steampunk Convention. Um this evening, there's a Glitter. Uh, glitter is at the Squash Blossom. Uh, it actually started four minutes ago. So if you want to get there, you better hurry. Glitter is actually a brand new, uh, brand new app for the, for your phone. It's a great way to to uh, to promote and to uh, inform people through a little minor bit, small video that you can make yourself and put up on your own glitter account and share with everybody. It's uh, definitely a cool little de- uh, app and it, for the first thousand people, uh, it's going to be free for a year. And after that, they will keep it a very reasonable price, uh, 2 or $3 a year. So definitely well worth taking a look at. Uh, so that's Squish Blossom. And of course, that's on First Street. I'll give you the address here, First Street and right in downtown Phoenix. And, of course, Google is just going too slow. Okay, 705 North 1st Street, Phoenix, and that's open today, or it's open this evening. Uh, they will have food available, uh, you know, to sell while you're there, food and drinks, and uh, take a look at the new app. So that'll be at starting again, like I said, a few minutes ago. Uh-huh. Let's see what else we got. That's today. And this is this weekend. And then, of course, we have uh, Tucson Festival of Books on 15th and 16th. That's next on, next weekend. Uh, called Classic Movie. They have uh, Legend. That, that movie is going to be showing 9.30 p.m. at this usual place for cult classic and Mesa second Friday. Mesa second Friday's got a it's on the fourteenth, um and it starts at six from six to ten. 
And Leprechaun's going to be out there uh, handing out flyers, handing out, uh, doing some raffles, um, give, you know, giving away prizes, and uh, you know, also we'll have newspaper out there, obviously. Um, hoping to have Trevor Day out there so you guys can see it. Um, Jim repainted, real macabre. So you guys can take a look at it. That's downtown Mesa, McDonald and Main Street. And also anybody who is in cosplay. It's a cosplay night with the Leprechaun add-on. <laughs> so if you guys have, if you guys come out, if you're green, Leprechaun outfits, any shade of green, because this, this year the Leprechaun theme is Fifty Shades of Green. So, if you guys come out in Fifty Shades of Green, I'm going to do my best and give you give you guys some um, a, a special prize if you come out in in different shades of green or as Leprechauns. Okay, so you guys come out, and this is the only place that I'm, I'm saying this, so there are no that you guys are my listeners. And uh, we'll have the radio show out there at the time. Uh, so we'll get you on the radio and say who you are and, and you know, uh, how you created the costume and that kind of thing. Um, to all the cosplayers or non-cosplayers who just simply want to come out and live a kind of it. Hey, I'm an eco-opportunity cosplayer, okay? So come on out and have some fun with us. And that will be, uh, again, Friday the 14th. Laughing Moon Con. Good friend of mine, of course, and fellow author, Todd Van Hooser. Laughing Moon Khan is going to be out at, at his, his usual place, which, of course, is his school, uh, out there in desert. Oh, man, you would do that to me. I don't have it written down. Um, he's, let's just say he's way, way the heck out there. Um, and Todd Van Hooser, Laughing Moon Khan, you can take a look on Facebook page. Uh, go, go on Facebook if you're not attached to Laughing Moon Con. Take a look at it and, uh, and uh, find out more of the times. And we'll be out there actually with a trebuchet. So we'll be out there with newspapers and flyers and all that. But we'll also be out there with a trebuchet. So uh, if you don't get to see it, uh, you know, any other time this month, we will actually be doing a shooting. So that should be live launches out at Laughing Moon Con. And I sure hope I'm right about that because otherwise I'm in big trouble. But um, anyway, it's, come on out. Have some fun. Obviously, Laughing Moon Con is a gaming con. Um, it's, it's a very good price to get in all day. Uh, it's one single day. And it's, you know, it's just have fun all day kind of thing. Uh, so Konnichiwa Anime in Tucson. The convention is 21st through the 23rd. Uh, anime, I mean, what more do we have to say about that? Nothing, I'm sure. <laughs> Those who love anime. And so come on out and have some fun in, in Tucson for that. Uh, Kingman, they believe it or not, they got a book festival and they got a poetry slam at the uh, very first week of April. So come on, if you want to find out more about that, take a look on Google and look at Kingman Book Festival. And that's it for this month so far. I'm sure I'll have more things for you. Uh, we've got some brand new writing. Um, I'm actually teaching writing groups now. 
and we'll have more information on the writing groups and different things that we're teaching uh, in our next class. We will be on again to, on Thursday, this Thursday, 5.30 from, oh, well, 5.30, obviously our usual time, you know. Uh, Alan Amis is going to, he's a costume designer. Uh, he also works with customization of props. So he's a prop and costume designer. He lives right here in Phoenix, and he has just started his own business. So we love to support, because, of course, any any new business. And uh, Alan will be on with us uh, this Thursday from 5.30. Uh, that's March 6th. Uh, same bad channel, same bad time. So with that, I'm going to say goodnight. This is Patty Holstrand, and this is K-Wad Radio. <laughs>